also welcome you all to the um, to this opportunity to get to know yourself better. And it's not always easy to find the time to have the inspiration to make the commitment and to follow through on it and then to actually see the benefit that comes from uh, work like this. I know many of you in looking around the room are uh, long time meditators and have been students of the Dharma or I should say students of yourself for a long time. And you already know a lot. You know a lot about yourself. You know a lot about the teachings of the Buddha. But as we are all discovering in an ongoing way, there's always something else to learn because conditions are always changing. Our own life, our body, our minds, the environment we live in, the social context in which we are practicing is changing all the time. And in that new terrain of the heart is being revealed. And how we come to recognize that and respond or react to it is, is the work. That's the work to, that we're doing here. navigate life with some uh, finesse, some understanding, some courage, love, compassion, wisdom. And it all begins and ends right here in our own heart and mind. So tonight I want to speak about I want to speak about the range of the benefits of practice because so often we can and we do have uh, an understanding of our own practice and what we've gained, what we've, how we've benefited and we can come to a, another retreat like this and think, oh, it's going to be a little bit more of that. And much of the time it is. A little more understanding, a little more awareness, a little more stillness, a little more openness, a little more compassion, self-compassion. And there's more than that. Available through the simple but not easy practice of just remembering to recognize the present moment's experience. encouraging you to remember, to recognize the present moment's experience. And why is that so hard? I mean, it sounds simplistic. It sounds so easy. You're trying to remember to recognize the present moment. And while it is simple, and it is relatively easy, easy to do continuously. The habits of the mind, as we all know, are extraordinarily powerful. 
takes um, a tremendous amount of there are many, many books and teachers and teachings and techniques and courses and all that. As Kamala mentioned, the book we want to learn to read is the book of our body, the book of our heart, because that's where the real story of our life is. And so while there are books that are helpful, it is really learning how to read is actually going on in here. We live in a society, uh, within a culture, within a family, within a whole social structure that exerts a tremendous power upon us to guide the way we live in the world. So that we're not uh, getting into trouble, we're not into trouble, we're not causing ourselves or others harm or distress. And so, quite naturally, we have learned from our family, from our peers, from our professionals in our life what is okay, what is not okay. But everything that arises in the heart has to be dealt with, whether it's okay. So that's the terrain we're looking at, not just what is okay in life, but we're looking at what is arising in the heart. And some of what arises in our hearts and minds is outside the limits of acceptable, outside the limits of familiar, outside the limits of safe. And so it takes a tremendous amount of courage to be willing to uh, discover within your own heart and mind that which is outside of the social norm, if you will. Your own fear, your own shame, your own humiliation, your own ambition, your own insatiable desires, your own secrets, your own intimacies, your own privacies, things that you have never revealed to anyone Some, not even to yourself. There is this terrain in the heart. In order to open to and to live a fully human life, we need to discover that. And to do that, we need a support. We need the support of others, as we have here. We need the support of the conditions that we have here. We need the solitude and the seclusion of this remote place. We need the simplicity of a lifestyle uh, that uh, asks nothing of us except to be present and to recognize the present moment. And all of these conditions of this retreat are actually specifically designed, very, very refined format of this retreat to support this kind of uh, 
investigation, this kind of discovery, this kind of opening, and this kind of integrating what it is we open to. So if we're going to do all this work, and we're going to explore this kind of terrain with these challenging conditions in the heart, what's the benefit? We have to ask ourselves, why bother doing this? Any one of us could take a nice, you know, nine-day holiday, go to the beach, go, <laughs> go someplace, and just kind of get by quite well without this kind of effort, without this kind of courage, without, the, without meeting our own mind in this way. Why not do that? We do that 50 weeks a year, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. We, we live our life, and we know our life. And it's a familiar life. And for most of us, it's good enough. But there isn't any of us in this room that don't sense, that don't have an intuitive glimpse of there's something else available. There's more going on than we're acknowledging. There's more available in our heart than we're manifesting. There's more to be known this thing called life. And so we take the time, we take the opportunity. <coughs> and the benefit is many. I know that uh, when Saito Bandita, one of our teachers from Burma, talks, starts talking about the benefits of practice, he'll tell you he could talk on this topic endlessly because there's so many. I'm not going to talk that long. <laughs> I'm going to limit it to just a few, few really good benefits. And I'll give you an example. And some of you have heard this story. For those of you who have been doing retreats with us for so many years, you've heard all our stories. There are no new stories. But when you hear them for the 23rd, 24th time, you hear them differently. Now I've told this story that I started Dharma practice, did my first retreat, a few years out of getting out of university, this was back in the 70s. And when I went to university, I studied engineering. And this was back in the days before even handheld calculators, and so all the math was done with slide rule and a lot of mental computation. So that was my training. My training was to do extraordinarily complex, difficult mathematics in my mind, in my head. It was an utter surprise to me when I went on retreat, and this is a few years after getting out of college. I went on retreat, and of course the instruction is to watch your mind, among other things. And what did I see? I saw my mind doing complex mathematical calculations that had no relevance to anything going on in my mind. And my mind would be off wandering in these multiplying out long 
four or five digit numbers and dividing it just just that's where my mind wandered and it was created a, a tremendous amount of tension in the mind tension in the body that I was until that point completely unaware of I never knew that the mind was holding on to these habits of mind what it had been trained to do but by practicing awareness, just being willing to acknowledge, to recognize and acknowledge what is going on in this moment, I could see well, that's what's going on. And it was not too difficult to let go. And to see the value and the wisdom of letting go. Well, let me ask you, what have you trained your mind to do? your parents train your mind to do? What did your teachers train your mind to do? What did your profession train your mind to do? Are you aware that's what's going on all the time, most of the time, much of the time, in your kind of downtime, so to speak, in your free time, in the times that we're just unconscious and unaware? That's what your mind's doing. So it takes a lot of courage to be to be willing to recognize that. It takes a lot of steadiness of aware, attention, really. But then the courage to just realize how much of our time is spent acting out unconscious mental habit. All that energy that we spend doing that is not available for living in the present moment. Until we see it. Until we can see it and let go or let that habit pass away. Then that energy that was formerly consumed by those habits is available to you in every moment. what's useful, it's what's needed to live a life of awareness. To recover, if you will, our life. That's one benefit. And there are so many uh, ways that we have learned to deal with the difficulties, the challenges, the stresses, the stressors of life. And there are. I mean, let's face it, life's hard. There's a lot of demands. There's a lot of unknowns. A lot of challenging and difficult stuff to deal with. And then there's other people, too. You know, it's ourself, our own mind and body, finances, and neighbors, and politics. And it's not easy to navigate all of that without fear and anxiety and frustration and disappointment, anger, impatience, depression, despair, hopelessness, helplessness, and the whole litany of, well, dysfunctional ways of relating to conditions of life. 
ways that we do that. Don't you? I'm not, I'm not the only one. Right? And to, to discover that is humbling first and then empowering because we can see that we don't have to be caught there. We don't have to be entangled there if we can become aware of it. And as I mentioned, becoming aware is not about creating some spiritual experience. It's not about becoming some kind of a spiritual person. It's not becoming anything. It's not creating anything. It's just learning how to recognize what's going on in our hearts and our minds. So that's what we'll be doing. We'll be pointing to, encouraging you to just remember to recognize what's going on. And you'll discover all of this. It's all there, ready to be read from the book of your life. When we do that, and we learn, and we see what's going on, and we learn how to let go of what's not necessary, how to recover our life energy from the habits of the mind, we can handle stressful conditions so much better, mostly by letting go. Just letting go of the unskillful ways of dealing with things. That's one obvious benefit. But some of what we discover in the, in the heart and mind are really long-standing patterns that are so familiar to the mind that they're obsessive. Whether your obsessive quality of mind is fantasizing pleasant futures or fearing challenging futures or dreading something about the future or whether it's wishing for some way it used to be or fearful that the way it used to be might happen again anxious. These patterns of and repetitive, obsessive patterns of the mind are not easily uh, overcome. We can see them. We can discover them. We can see them frequently. And it takes a tremendous amount of uh, patience to, to bear with them. We might like to be less angry, we might like to be less impatient, we might like to be less dissatisfied, we might like to be less, like to be more loving, more compassionate. can, even if we want to, we can. It takes something other than our intention to make that happen. It takes training the mind. We really need to train the mind guide the mind in its development. We have been guided by our parents and teachers and others for a long time. Now we have to guide ourselves to wait in the direction that we want to go. If we see the value of letting go of these dysfunctional habits of mind, we can do it. We can do it. Not by commanding ourselves, not by beating ourselves up, not by blaming anybody else, but by training the mind seeing over and over again and beginning to understand 
how we get caught, how we get hooked, and how awareness, just being aware, can see the end of those habits of mind. And that's so important to just endure the discomfort of obsessing, obsession, to see that it will come to an end. As much as it might arise in the mind, it doesn't last forever. That's a relief. But we can only get that relief if we pay that close attention. That's a second benefit, or another benefit of practice, is we learn how to be more intelligent about our emotions. We're not trying to get rid of these emotions. We're not trying to say, I don't ever want to be angry, I don't ever want to be fearful, I don't ever want to be uh, anxious or depressed. We can't say that. We can't do that. We can't control conditions in our life like that. But we can learn how to be more smart, more intelligent, more understanding of these emotions when they arise in the mind. When the conditions in our life give rise to whatever emotion they do, we can learn to recognize that. We can learn to be skillful in accepting, acknowledging, enduring, and understanding the nature of these states of mind. You know, on the, on the, the path of purification, the path of liberation that the Buddha laid out as, as, we, as we understand it from the tradition that we practice in, you know, things like uh, fear and anxiety and confusion and blaming, those, those emotions, they're with us for a long time, for a long time on the path. So rather than trying to just get rid of them, or think that there's something wrong because we experience them. It really is much wiser to, to have a willing a willingness to acknowledge and accept. This is the way it is for now. And then learn from that. Because it's in the learning about these states of mind. Learning about ourselves. That's how we uh, learn to be less entangled in So no matter what experience arises over the course of the retreat, as difficult as it is, as challenging as it is, as unpleasant as it is, welcome it. Be willing to uh, acknowledge it. It's just what it is. Not to identify with it as this is how I am all the time, but just this is the way it is for now. And learn from it. Because it's in that learning, in that willingness to learn, that we can see something new, that we can, we can understand things differently. And rather than just fearing the unpleasant, or pushing it away, or trying to get rid of it, or explaining it away, or blaming somebody else for it, we actually take it in. We look at it, and we can come to a different understanding of it. And this is the, this is the process of insight. This is the, the way to gain knowledge that we do not yet have. If we knew already how to deal with these emotions, we would, we'd be fine. But we don't. We still get entangled. We still get caught in stories, dramas, you know, things that cause us suffering. 
We still do. Don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. Maybe not as much as before. Maybe not as frequently. Maybe not for as long. Maybe not as intensely. And that's the benefit of practice. We see. We understand. After you've seen something a hundred thousand times, you're not surprised by it anymore. But you've got to acknowledge it a hundred thousand times. But that's the benefit, you know, we learn how to have a more uh, balanced mind in relationship to the inevitable arisings in our heart. Again, we want to be careful not to think that we're supposed to get rid of anything. We're supposed to get, get away from anything. Yes, there is a goal. Yes, there is an end to all of the suffering. Buddha talked about it. Uh, he showed the path to it. There were many who testified to the possibility of it. So we should understand that. We should accept that. But we should also be honest with ourselves. That's not what's happening yet. We aren't there yet. But if we keep practicing, every moment of practice is one step closer to the goal. So learning to have a, how to have a more balanced mind, a less reactive mind, where we're less entangled in the inevitable uh, states of mind that arise. Inevitably they arise. And when we do that, when we're able to be more balanced, less fearful, less entangled, less identified with what arises in our experience, we can live with more ease. And when we live with more ease, uh, there's a sense of it's okay. It's okay. Life is okay. We know it's not perfect, you know, but we're not uh, struggling with it either. It's good enough. You know, there's really it's really important in this uh, discovery of ourselves to acknowledge uh, those times when we're not suffering, when we're not entangled, when we're not caught, when we're not struggling with ourselves or with some state of mind, and to, and to see that, well, for much of our life, actually, things are okay. We know they're not perfect, but they're okay. Because in acknowledging that, we actually uh, cut through the chatter of the mind that is always whinging and whining and blaming and complaining. You know, that's where the suffering takes place. The whinging, the whining, the blaming and complaining. And so often, it just goes on automatically. It just goes on. You know? But it has its effect, even though we're unconscious and unaware of it much of the time. It has its effect on just how we feel. So as we become aware of that and we just see it come to an end, it stops. Briefly. And maybe more persistently as time goes on. And then we, we, we begin to feel. We begin to really sense it's okay. You know, we're not caught in the, the whinging and the whining. 
We're not even believing the whinging and the whining anymore. It may still come, of course. But it's just as if it was somebody else's story. That's a relief. That's a real benefit of practice. Seeing the stories in your mind and not being identified with them. So much of our suffering is just some story in the mind in our heart that we that we identify with. Hope for me something. And when we see that story and not be identified with it as, oh, that's me, that's who I am, that's my story, where's the suffering? It's like reading a novel. You read a novel and it's somebody else's story. Yeah, you can, you can feel the, you know, the emotions and the intensity and whatnot, but it's not you, and you know that. Well, when you can read your own heart, like somebody else's novel, terrain in the heart, as I mentioned, that we've not yet seen. And as we develop the mind in learning how to be with the mind, how to be more present, more of the time, how to be less reactive, how to be less identified with the stories of our mind, inevitably some of the terrain of the heart that, that appears is going to be delightful. Being very calm very enthusiastic, very joyful, peaceful, tranquil, ecstatic, piercing clarity, wonderfulness of all types, and pleasant in the body too. These things inevitably happen. You know, they will. You don't have to go looking for them. They'll come. Take them for just what they are, a momentary appearance of conditions to be tasted, to be read, to read this book of ecstasy, read this book of tranquility, read this book of bliss, learn about it, know about it, feel it in yourself, know it for, your, for yourself, what this really is, and understand. You didn't make it happen, and you can't make it stay. You just can't. There isn't any experience you've ever had that you still have. All the most pleasant things you've ever done in your life not happening now. All the most difficult, challenging, emotional dramas that you've ever experienced in your life. Not happening now. And so too with all of the delight from your practice. It comes, it goes. There's a powerful understanding there. Powerful understanding no matter what arises in your experience, it doesn't last. Why should we fear anything? 
Really, think about it. Why should we fear anything? It doesn't last. Not because we make it go away, not because we get rid of it, not because of... It's just things don't last. If we really understood that, if we really could integrate that understanding into our view of ourself, we would welcome everything, anything, without fear. What would it be like to live without fear? Without fear of judgment? Without fear of others? Without fear of making a mistake? Without fear of being alone? without fear of being shameful. Buddha's teachings and the Buddha's uh, path of practice will allow us, encourage us, show us the whole terrain of the heart, everything that's in there, everything, if we're willing to look. And the goal of the practice is not in anything we discover. There isn't any one thing that we have to discover in the heart as the end of the goal, the end of the goal. But it is the letting go that happens in the heart. The Buddha said, the purpose of my teaching of this life of the Dharma, the truth, is not for be gaining merit. It's not for being a good person. It's not for the bliss and ex ecstasy of, 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 or joy. It's not for even becoming calm and tranquil. And it's not even for developing insightful understanding. But it is to release the heart from all of its constriction. To free the mind, to free the heart from whatever limitations there are placed upon it. Buddha said, I wouldn't ask you to do it if it wasn't possible. And it is, so try. And that's what we're here for. That's why, I hope that's why you've come. <laughs> because both Kamala and I have, uh, you know, some of you have been walking on this path as long as we have, I think. But we wouldn't do this if we didn't know that it's possible. We wouldn't ask you to do it if we didn't think it was impossible. Not that we've completely freed our hearts. We haven't done that either. But some. And it's worth it. 
as good as life is, and for many, uh, many of us, all of us, have great lives. I mean, as I've mentioned before, we live at the top of the heap. We are, we are so lucky in one sense. And yet, as good as it is, to be happy with that. And it's not because we don't have everything we need. It's because we're hanging on to what we don't need. And this practice is learning to let go of what we don't really need. What really doesn't support liberation of the heart, liberation of the mind. We won't be happy, we won't be at peace, we won't be at ease until we finish the job. I wouldn't ordinarily give this kind of talk at the beginning of a retreat, but this is not the beginning of your practice. You guys have been practicing for decades. Most of it, I can look at I can see most of you have been practicing more than 10 years or less. It's always been a joy to practice with you all, and I'm glad you're here to support my practice because I'm still on the journey too, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a great time sharing the stories of our discoveries and the agony of our realizations. <laughs> but that's how we grow, you know, as we, we see what's going on and we let it go and we share that experience with somebody else and they say, thanks a lot. I get it. That's all we're doing here. We're just trying to help each other and navigate the terrain that's a little sticky for ourselves right now. Okay. So, you know the routine. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.